Welcome once again to Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End chat. Everything about Glasgow's West End and uh, surrounding area. My name's Jim Byrne and the Pat in the title is Pat Byrne. And this is episode 59, I think. How time flies. Hope you're having a good start to the week. I don't know whether I am or not, but... uh, Certainly the week has started, so that's, uh, and we're all still alive, so that's good. This podcast is Pat's Chat with um, Brian Whittingham. Brian Whittingham is a poet, a writer, playwright and lecturer. Pat chats to him about his writing and his transition from being a steelworker in the shipyards to becoming a writer. He's produced numerous collections and he's gained numerous awards. In fact, since this chat, he's actually had another accolade. He's become the first ever Tannehill Weaver, <coughs> excuse me, Macker of Paisley. And that, in fact, will be happening tomorrow night, I think, as far as I'm aware. Anyway, that's the, uh, that's the intro if you're enjoying the podcast as usual we would uh, love you to give us some stars send us a wee note add a comment all of that kind of stuff Uh, get in touch mostly well not mostly but the easiest way of getting in touch is uh, via the Twitter get in touch with Pat at Glasgow's West End okay enough of me Let's uh, have a wee listen to Pat chatting to Brian Whittingham. Very good of you, Brian, to respond to me when I was looking for poems and writing for the, the website. You sent me the, the Carbridge Rose. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice if anybody shows an interest in your, your work, mm-hmm. you know. It's, um, it's nice to... Share your work, I think. Mm-hmm. I see it as a sharing process. So. Mm-hmm. so I had it in my head that you were a poet, and then I started coming across all this other stuff, like plays and short stories. I loved the um, the story. The is it a skittery? Skittery winter. And that was way back. Two thousand. That yeah. I love that story. I've read it a few times. Right, okay. It's so yeah, yeah. Um, it's just so much of the of the sort of community that I know, com- right, complete okay. with complete with drink problems and working yeah, in the shipyards. Yeah, well, that's environment. You know, it's the mm-hmm. world. It's uh, I believe um, we all move about in different worlds, and that's that's another world in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Not just the geography of it, but the time. Mm-hmm. As well, the time, the time, I know, in the Barrowland. You know, and um, just the, the various things. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's a, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not surprised. It won that prize for the was it Sunday Herald. Yeah, it was a, a Christmas story competition, mm-hmm. so I, I tried to make it as if it was a, the birth of Christ. Right, so right. The protagonist is called Joseph and he right. works in the shipyard. Right, mm, I didn't even, I didn't his even. His wife Mary's. Uh, the, yeah, the, of the, course. Yeah. At the end of it, mm-hmm. so she gets taken to the hospital. And it's based on people I'd worked beside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's based on a variety of characters I had worked beside and I worked in the yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was like a mix of the two. 
fantasy and, and fiction. But uh, I mean, I really, I really enjoyed that story so much. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I worked in John Brown offshore, sort of the tail end, actually when it was close, closing in late seventies. But of course, I, I come from Ocopatrick, yeah. so you knew loads of people that worked in the the, the yards. Yeah, yeah. You, you went out with the apprentices, the platers, and the yeah, yeah, welders, yeah. and you heard all about this um, jumping the wall and all this. So it's um, it's not it's quite a sad story, but but that that amused me at the same time. You know, the, 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 this kind of as you say, the community. Well, it's just that wherever you work. Yeah, it's got its own stories and characters and rules and unspoken rules and it's all that kind of thing. And normally I find the more extreme the work environment, the, the, the brighter the embroidery of all these characters is, mm -hmm. I find, you know, but yeah, so. No, I said, um, in your poetry, some of your collections have got the kind of work idea as well, haven't they, in the titles even? Yeah, the, the, well, one of my collections was called Bunnets and Bowlers, and that's primarily about the time I was an apprentice in John Brown's when I was building the QE tour. Mm -hmm. So it's about the various characters and, and incidents and such like. Um, but then I found that some people would refer to me as a shipyard poet, which I didn't want. I didn't want to be pigeonholed and just writing about the one thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but, but, you know, you're still writing, it takes you wherever it takes you, it takes mm -hmm. your mind and your imagination wherever it takes you, so you wander into other areas. Uh, basically, if somebody said to me, what do you write about? I would say, I write about people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the characters are the strength of, I would of say the, the characters. Are the people and the settings within which mm -hmm. they interact with the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, because it's, it's the characters that are are memorable and um, that, that you engage with. You know, if you're if you're reading something and you're not that, and the characters are not that interesting or somehow alive, you you just. You're it's not also how the writer portrays them. Though. Some writers portray characters and they're not overly interesting because you can't see that character in your mind's eye. Mm -hmm. Others are the opposite because you can see very clearly the character they have created. So I find that element of writing quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. How the writer engages the reader. Yeah, absolutely. And you you do quite a lot of workshops and that type of thing as well, don't you? Well, I've been working for the last sixteen years as a lecturer on further education, mm -hmm. creative writing. So is um, Glasgow Central College? City, City, City of Glasgow College. Yeah, it's, it's, it's had not. A variety of names, the Nautical College. And, you know, oh, right, various, is that the Nautical College? Various other things. Right? So they're amalgamated, there's mm -hmm. four colleges amalgamated, mm -hmm. Metropolitan College, the mm -hmm. College of Building and Printing. So you're still working there? I'm the just about to retire. Right. I'm retiring at the end of November. Oh, right. So, uh, so well, are you going to miss it? Uh, no, overly so. Uh, Miss some of it. I enjoy taking classes where you get interesting students, mm -hmm. you know, but I don't enjoy the bureaucracy and the paperwork and the, mm -hmm. the hoops that mm -hmm. ones want to jump through. Well, tell me about it. I used to work at um, Glasgow College on in and 
just I love the students. So, but oh my goodness, it's all bombs are in seats now as well, mm -hmm. you know. But um, you you can. I always used to think you should work at a job for five years and move on to something totally different. I've worked at three different careers, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked as a plate on the shipyards for a number of years. Then I worked as a draftsman in various factories for a number of years. And then latterly I've been doing what I'm doing now, which is teaching creative writing. Uh, so so what, um, have you been writing? Did you write as a child or no. a teenager? No. No. no, I started writing when I was in my late 30s. Mm -hmm. um, but prior to that, I'd always read, mm -hmm. um, avidly, mm -hmm. anything. Primarily comics and books and magazines and stuff. Um, I've always been a, a great reader. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I was always interested in art. So I've always been interested in images, mm -hmm. paintings, people, things like that. So what was the, um, what brought about the shift from working in the yards to becoming a writer? What brought that shift about was I tried other art forms which I wasn't very good at. I tried playing the guitar so for three years I tried to learn Neil Young's Heart of Gold <laughs> and that was an absolute disaster. <laughs> Both in the musical front and the vocal front, every front. Um, uh, I tried painting which I was quite good at, painting and drawing, but I, I never applied myself uh, as much as I, I could have, should have. Um, so, yeah, so then I started getting interested and one of my friends said to me, you fancy going to a writing group? And I thought, oh, I don't know about that. So anyway, I went to Paisley Writers. What age were you then? Oh, in my late thirties. Um, and they were all writing poetry which was a bit of a scunner for me because I thought I'd go and write some stories. Uh, I never knew what poetry was at that point. The only poem I remember from school was I wandered lonely as a cloud, <laughs> that's it. So it just, they, they had a group of poets, they called the itinerant poets. Um, Jim Ferguson, Graham Fulton, Margaret Fulton Cook, Bobby Christie. Ronnie McNeil, Ronnie Smith, and they would do readings. And when they, if they occasionally made money from the readings, they would put on a pot and that would self-publish their next collection. Mm -hmm. So that was my first introduction to, to poetry was with these guys. And also Tom Leonard became the writing residence in Paisley. Hey. And then Agnes Owens. Oh and God. just before I'd got there, Jim Kelman had been the writing residence. So I missed Jim. Yeah. But um, the other guys, they were there when I was there. Well, so there, I mean... That was my formative uh, introduction to the world but of But that was, that was great, because, it, I mean, like, I just saw Jim Kilman um, last week, actually, at the work. He, he is fabulous. But Tom Leonard and Agnes O and these people, and Jim Ferguson, you know, they're, um, Tom Leonard is just, I think, he's just out on his own. They're all pretty honest, mm -hmm. which is good. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a you get an honest comment on not just your work, but my experience with them is I also spent quite a lot of time looking at your work. Mm -hmm. Quite generous with our time, mm -hmm. you know. If you don't get feedback, that you know, 
you, you can feel very short-changed. There's feedback and feedback, or mm-hmm. some feedback is, oh that's nice, yes, which is a waste course. of time, I know. you know, other feedback Absolutely. is constructive. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was, for better or for worse, that was the initial uh, connection with writing. Then after a short period of time, I, I wrote a couple of shipyard poems. Mm-hmm. One called The Apprentice and one called The Journeyman. Um, and it's, people see me like them. So this is after 20 odd years of working in the shipyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, so I started to put together my first pamphlet, which was called Industrial Deafness. And it was sketches that I had done and also the, the poems that I'd done. And it was uh, old tech, so it was literacy mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that, and snow <laughs> paint, and it was a really old, old style. Carbon copies? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was all that kind of stuff, you know. So that, that was my first self-published. So since then I've had seven collections published, and I'm just about to get my eighth one published. So. Well, I know it's launched tomorrow night. That's right, yeah, so I'm quite... quite so, I was going to say I'm quite excited about it. I really don't do excited, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of quite excited about it because um, it's very personal. There's so much in it. That, that what is it called? Walking Between Worlds? It's called Walking Between Worlds, uh-huh. but it's very personal. It's a good I'm, title. Well, I, I, I approached three of my favourite contemporary writers and asked them for um, blood for the book, which they, they kindly gave me. Uh, Maggie Graham and Janet Paisley and Des Tillon. And the cover has got a painting done by two Swedish artists that I met in 2008. And Very autumnal. In Greece, so in France. It's a, it's a nice time to be launching it. The, the cover's very. The, the colours are lovely. Yeah, yes, I never thought about that, but I'll, I'll now tell everybody that's deliberate. <laughs> um, so, um, so I was doing this fellowship and I met these two. Uh, husband and wife who do their paintings Yeah, together. so you must have won that. Was that the Robert Louis Stevenson yeah, that's Award? Right, uh-huh. Yeah, That was fantastic. I went out there for a couple of months and, uh, well, it was a good experience, but I went out to write a collection of poetry, but just before I went, somebody approached me and asked me to write a film script. Um, I have nothing but confidence. I said, yeah, sure, I'm your man. So I went and I wrote the first 30 pages of a film script in France and I come back home and the person told the plug on the project so that's something that's writing, waiting to be reawakened in some form or whatever. Uh-huh. But did that um, start you, because you've written quite a few plays haven't you? I've written, no, the, 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 the plays, initially I wrote a play called Diamonds in Bedlam which is about French Impressionist painters uh-huh. and the reason I wrote that was I was doing a gig one night and there was a guy called Wally Black who was a singer-songwriter and he sang a song um, called Where Vincent Signs His Name mm-hmm. and just out of the blue I was reading a poem about Van Gogh the same night. So they both had introduced each other and uh, the play subsequently came from that. Um, and one of my friends is a, an actor, director, so he, so it was a three-hander one singer-songwriter sing these songs, and the other guy narrating the story, and me, I, I was the, the touchy poet in, in the cast, so I would, I would get up every now and then and read my poems about one of particular. It was at that point I found out I couldn't act. Uh, 
You can read your poetry. I can, yeah, that's tough. And I think, you know, I think if you're reading your poetry, you're being you. <laughs> you know, and if you're acting, you're trying to be someone else. So. I, can't, um, I can't do any accents or any different voices. I can't do accents. Also, I can't. Yeah. I used to know somebody that, that when I was at school, he could play football, he could kick the ball. And he could run, but couldn't do the both at the same time. <laughs> and I knew somebody who was in a band that could play the guitar and sing, but couldn't do the both at the same time. <laughs> so I'm loud with acting. I can walk across a stage, or I can say some lines, but I can't do the both at the same time. That reminds me that um, years ago Jim was playing at a festival in Nîmes. Two things at the same time, a delivery and a man to read Demeter. I'm sorry, you can't come in just now. <laughs> Lord, um, Jim um, was playing at this festival in Nîmes in one of the venues, whatever happened. And it, it was outside, so the stage was outside. But the, um, the way the music was coming out, outside you could hear the instrument, but not the vocals. And inside you could hear the vocals, but not the instrument. Right, okay. It was like um, just like that, the, the two things not happen, happening simultaneously. I, well, what happened to me, I just ended up looking quite wooden when I was doing the, supposed to be doing the acting, you know. But, um, but yeah, so that was, and then, then we had a, a, a disaster which was, in reflection, was quite funny. We, we went up to North Berwick. To, to present the show and uh, sing off, what's his voice? <laughs> so what he had to do is he had a, a CD of all the songs. <clears throat> so he played that and he mimed to her. But the only problem was that he had done the CD with a backing of a big band sound. <laughs> of course there wasn't a big band there when we'd done it. So, but nobody picked up in that. Did so they know it? Turned, oh, that's funny, out. isn't it? Okay. No. I suppose if people go along to things and they're they're up for something, they're up for enjoying themselves. That's right. They're, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're kind of they're not being too critical, you know. So and there was that, and there was I wrote a play about addictions as well. I was asked to write a play about addictions. Mm -hmm. So it's so one of my friends is a doctor, and she arranged for me to interview recovering addicts, um, and I used some of their stories with their permission in in the play. So. There's a place set in the Barris, uh, out of all around the guy at Soul Towels, because mm -hmm. I used to go down there and watch this guy. Mm -hmm. And what was that called, Craig? It was called uh, Only One Left. Only One Left. Is that online anywhere? No. Is it in, in I've got it at home, but it's okay. not. I, I get performed by a company called Fable Vision, uh, a government theatre company. I get performed three or four times in it. Uh, that was it. Um, it sounds like I would like to read that. So it's a, well, I was based on addictions, so the main character was a drug addict. One of the other ones was a, a sex addict, one of the other ones was a, an addict for making money. Mm -hmm. and one of the others was a gambling addict, they were all in a different addictions, so they would be quite um, judgmental about each other's addiction. But, but, but they couldn't look at their own addiction. Yeah. So, and that, that was, I was quite pleased with how that turned mm -hmm. out. I know that's, that is an interesting, you know, that what, what you're saying about that, you know, the sort of judgmental 
attitude because the, the, the such always has been such a, a big problem with alcoholism mm. in Scotland. There are people even like say things like, "Would they take a good drink?" <laughs> you know, rather than having a problem. But they could be sort of talking about like junkies as if they're the scum of the the earth. You yeah, know, no, and, that's right, and yeah. basically, you know, the two of them could. Yeah, some addictions are apparently socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, by people who are not living in the firing line of these addictions, yeah. I'd like to say, because exactly. uh, I was involved, we had alcoholism in my family many years ago, and it's horrendous what it can do to, mm-hmm. not just the person that's got the problem, but the surrounding family and such like, you know. So the same, same with all addictions, uh-huh. I, I guess. So that, that was another, another project, Then I was asked to do a couple for a school, uh, and I wrote the first like, half an hour of this play, two of them. One was set in tram cars in the Transport Museum, mm-hmm. and it was a woman who worked as the clippies during the war. Mm-hmm. Sorry, worked as the drivers during the war. That was right, uh-huh. um, Because Glasgow is the only city that after the war the women still worked as drivers, whereas every other city in Britain, they all get shunted. Back to being the conductors. And that was going to be performed in one of the plate, one of the trams in the mm-hmm. transport museum. So we had done certain amount of rehearsals in the school, got told the results in our academic uh, classes weren't good enough, so they had to concentrate more on that. So they, mm-hmm. they pulled the plug on that project. And another one was the shipyards, it was meant to be the rates of passage of two young lads who mm-hmm. left school to become apprentices and then they their journey through that kind of thing, so mm-hmm. I guess it was bringing some of my poems in mm-hmm. the form of a play, mm-hmm. you know, and I was trying to recount my early days when I, you know, uh, for example, one of the times I went to work, I forgot my pieces. Mm-hmm. My mother came down to the shipyard, she stayed in her chapel, mm-hmm. she came all the way down to Clyde Bank, <laughs> and I got a phone call, I was in the, the factory floor, your mother's here to see you. <laughs> of course, that was a big ready for a young, a young boy, you know. Yeah. But, uh, so there's, there's wee things like that, and amongst mm-hmm. uh, working with men whose morals, shall we say, were less than 100% rigid mm-hmm. in language and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. so that, that's a kind of mm-hmm. areas of dip my toes into. No. I mean, um, but you've done some really or you've had some fantastic opportunities. I mean, you were professor, visiting professor that in, was, uh, in Seattle. Yeah, that was in 2011. Uh, that was fabulous. Uh, the story behind that goes, uh, I went to Paisley Writers Group and this guy said to me that he'd been to a place in America called Yaddo, which is New York, mm-hmm. Writers Colony. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a clue what he was talking about, but he, he gave me information. Bottom line was I applied and I got accepted by it. So I went to New York for two months mm-hmm. at this writer's colony, totally out of my depth, totally out of my comfort zone. But I met a woman called Sharon Cumberland, who's an American poet. Mm-hmm. Many years later, she moved to Seattle and she became head of their creative writing program at Seattle University. And by that time, we'd met a couple of times in Boston and a couple of other places. And um, she invited me over to be a visiting professor 
which for me was again where in my, my league at the time, so I thought, I thought oh, why not? So I went over to Seattle for a semester and I'd done a narrative poetry class with Seattle students for a couple of months. Um, and yeah, so that was it. So I learned about how American students and how they expect to be taught and the kind of money they're paying in university and totally different world again, you know. So that that was that was a great experience. That was a wonderful must have experience. Been. You know, um, and it gave me a, a good way to reflect on what I do here, my own language, my own work and stuff like that, you know. And I'm still very, uh, the part of the deal was that Sharon was thinking on getting serious with this, this man in her life. Um, so she wanted the, the two of them to cohabit. So the way they done it was, she, he moved in with her and he gave me his flat, which was downtown Seattle. So I was living in this flat for a couple of months oh and, you know, just go for a walk around the Space Needle and whatever else and and when I actually worked in the university to get home I would walk right through Seattle to get to the, the flat. So that was mm-hmm. that was just it was a tremendous experience. It must you know? have been. I, I mean, met a lot of people there as well, writers mm-hmm. and artists and some people very off the wall but a terrific experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Another thing about these trips as you learn about an awful lot of writers you would never have come across before. You know, for example, I learned about a guy called Sherman Alexi, who's a, a Spokane Indian, mm-hmm. who writes a, a contemporary stuff about Indians nowadays and mm-hmm. reservations and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you meet you meet people at readings and so on, as, as you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was terrific. I still keep in touch with her. In fact, my latest book is dedicated to Sharon because our, our, our meeting in 1994 when I went to New York, our meeting, as writing has done, changed my life. Mm-hmm. The places well, I've been and people I've met. That was fantastic. No. It's certainly a very, something very impressive if you, you're looking to have something in your CV, isn't it? Well, you know, I guess but, it is. I'm not... But that's... But not, it's the experiences. Yeah, I'm not overly um, looking looking for my CV to be have have full stars on. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I understand what you're saying. I wasn't. I know. I know. I know. You're. You know. That sort of sounds ridiculous. But it. It. It just is. I mean, there are some big standards. You probably take things for for granted because, and especially with you saying, "Oh, I wasn't quite ready for that," and it was out. But. I mean, to win the Robert Louis Stevenson Award, I mean, that, that's fabulous. And then to, you're very, and then to get offered these opportunities, you know, and then, you know, teaching in... in the, the Yaddo America. one was quite a big deal for me yeah. because Yaddo is a, a big mansion where a couple, all our children died very young because of some, I don't know, meningitis or something like that. Um, so, and there were scullionaires. So they left the whole estate to the local community as long as it was an arts community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to this day, if you're a musician or a painter or a photographer or whatever, you can apply to go to Yaddo mm-hmm. and you get put up, um, you know, a cordon blue chef who makes your meals at night and if you don't have the money it doesn't cost you anything. If you do, they ask for a donation. Um, so that 
to get accepted for that, it's quite a challenge. They have a, a panel of maybe, I don't know, 15 artists of all sorts of disciplines. And they look at your work, you've got to send in, I can't remember what it was, 20 pages or what, or 40 pages or something, and they all look at it. And based on that, they then decide whether you're going to get an invite or not. So that was quite a big deal for me, but I, I, I was totally out of my depth. I've never been to a place like that before. I never experienced that. What they do in the morning is they say, right, it's nine o'clock, there's a log cabin in the woods, I mean, right? <laughs> Nobody will disturb you till four o'clock. That, that, that was the deal. And they give you a packed lunch, it was like being at school again. You got a packed lunch in the morning, you went away to your log cabin, you'd you done your thing. You weren't restricted, you could go for a walk or go downtown to Saratoga Springs. <laughs> which is quite an affluent uh, area. Mm -hmm. You could go down there if you want. You, so you had freedom, mm -hmm. but you also had uh, solitude and, mm -hmm. and spadefuls and if you're not mm -hmm. used to it, uh, it's quite a, mm -hmm. quite a thing. And plus, what, what, sorry. plus it's, it's a satellite for New York, so most of the other people there were New Yorkers, mm -hmm. composers. And mm -hmm. I'd done a reading in a chapel with a New York composer when that was my my readings, and I'm reading my stuff about the shipyards, and that's quite, <laughs> quite surreal, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. but, but interesting for them? Well, I don't know what it was for them. I, don't, I always, I, I think the Scottish Glasgow thing is, I shouldn't be here, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of my league. Mm -hmm. we're, we're just kind of way we look at ourselves, unfortunately, you know. I think um, in America or Canada, I've been to Canada, I've been to America a few times, but I've been to Canada a whole lot because my sister lives there and I think um, that up to a point it's all one what you're saying because they love your accent so much. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I had Sunday I read in Seattle, uh, up the back of the audience and they fell asleep and they came up later on and I said to them, Were you, have you had a hard day? Or, or, he said, no, I just, I, I, your, your accent was just, oh, and she said, I was just so relaxed, mm -hmm. just, that's, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, you do, you do get that, kind of, and you don't hear, it's a funny thing, you don't hear your accent. No, we no, don't hear it amuses me. I get people, um, since we started the podcast, mm. we've got quite a big following in America, mm. and, and a lot of people, for some reason, in Maryland, so shout out, hi all you Maryland people, but um, also um, I get quite a lot of emails mm. and they'll say um, I'm looking forward to your next podcast right. to hear your lovely voice. Right, right. <laughs> and right, it's yeah. just a thing, it just seems somehow tells kind of ridiculous, well, you, you know. As I say, you don't hear your own voice. <laughs> your, your own voice, you've had it all your life, so it's not unique. Uh -huh. As far as you're concerned, as far as our ears are concerned, but mm -hmm. for other people, mm -hmm. yeah, I can understand mm -hmm. that. You know? But I think you have got quite a distinctive voice in Brian. I don't know There's that. something quite somber about it, and sort of um, with the, gravi the gravitas. I don't know if somber and gravitas is a is a good thing to no, have. No, I think it is. I mean, well, what you don't want everybody. Yeah, but yeah, you know. Everybody doesn't want to be um, all. Well, it's different, and I think that's. Well, what, what, what I think is important is that you not only do you find your own voice with the words that you're using, that you find your own voice when you're speaking, so it is you. Mm -hmm. What people are getting is you. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying about my, 
my new book, I've got nice blurbs, I've got photograph of somebody that I spent time with and my Robert Stevenson Fellowship was as a cover and I've got I've dedicated to Sharon Cumberland, my American mm-hmm. uh, yeah, poet friend nice. and her family. Mm-hmm. So and the stuff inside it's all about the different little worlds that I've inhabited. You know, even when you went on the bus or mm-hmm. went on the bus one day and there was a there was a a guy came on and a woman came on with a dog. The guy was blind and the woman was deaf. Mm-hmm. And it was like a guide dog, but the three of them were mm-hmm. a team. Mm-hmm. They were all doing their thing with each mm-hmm. other, and mm-hmm. I was just totally fascinated by mm-hmm. it, you know. I, I, I always feel I don't drive, um, and so I'm on the bus a lot, and I, quite often I sort of think it's a shame for people that don't use public transport mm-hmm. because, the especially now that I'm older and I'm a bit limpy with my, my um, hips bothering me. So I sit at the front. So I'm sitting with the other old ladies and they want to talk to you and you know, uh, some of them are just... I'd say it's swings and roundabouts for that one, you know. Mm-hmm. You some people who are questionable, shall we say. <laughs> you know, but one, you, but. But one um, my best bus story is one time I was on the bus and it was a busy bus. It was in the, the city centre and... Um, this drunk man came on and um, he sort of moved up, the people were standing so he was actually right beside me and then um, he kind of looked at me well, I just gave me a wee smile and then he said, you're the only nice person in this bus and he went in with his bag and he brought out a big chunk of cheese right. and gave it to me right, okay. and the woman next to me lifted it and gave it to me she said, she doesn't want it <laughs> she gave him it back, right. <laughs> and this so this kind of carried on. He was saying, "She does, no, no, she does." I mean, I was kind of superfluous to the whole thing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah, it was just be, it was hilarious, you know. I was. Uh, um, I can be, I can be quite amazing. Was I, I was going to going to go to the bus, uh, get the bus up to Kelm Grove Art Gallery, and I, I was further in Finnison. I go on the bus, and uh, these tourists said to the driver, "Driver, could you tell us when?" Uh, we get to that gallery. Yeah, sure, no problem. Then we stopped at the next stop, and this guy came, and instead of getting on the bus, he put one foot on, and, and he turned around and shouted to this window, Come on, you fucking reprobate, we're not going to be here all day. The driver won't wait for us. This is him talking to his wife or his girlfriend or, or whatever. And the driver's like, oh. He's holding up the bus. And then the driver says, you can't go on, mate. You can't go on. I can't sit here all day. So then, he said, then as we come up to our art gallery, the driver turns out, art gallery, you need to stop. Change of change. So I, you get loads of stories. I love all the wee Glasgow scenes, you know, I remember um, one day this woman came on, she was all pecked out, and then she shouted up at the bus, she says, This is me since yesterday. <laughs> I don't any tourists in this bus are going to think, what is she on about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, you get that. And any interface with the, the, the public yeah. can be. It's interesting if you're a writer because yeah. you can divorce yourself from it and just be an onlooker mm-hmm. and observe it. So you you've know. got um, some of this is in your new collection, some of these things? Most, of, most of it is. Is that right? Yeah. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll go up to one of the buskers in the street. I like watching buskers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'll speak to them, get a wee bit of story from them and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a guy that uh, plays the clarinet mm-hmm. and he always plays down near Central Station mm-hmm. and he always plays Aka Bolt Stranger on the Shore mm-hmm. and it's stunning. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. that when I'm walking through Glasgow, if I hear these notes the flying same. through mm-hmm. the air, I know it's him. Mm-hmm. And I went up to him one day and I was speaking to him and he, he told me a story that he learned when he was in a, a band and uh, the army and he was telling me his wee story and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. um, so that, that kind of thing. Uh, Do you know Paul that plays the fiddle in Byers Road? He's fabulous. He's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Possibly to see visually, you know. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't chat yeah. to everybody, you know. Well, it's, can, you can't always chat to people when they're playing. No, mm-hmm. no, and also yeah, yeah, it's nice to be a, an onlooker as well. You know, there's a guy that plays a guitar in Soccer Hall Street, plays Shadows Numbers, mm-hmm. and he's got a Fender Stratocaster. Stra- mm-hmm. Is he and, near Marks and Spencer's? Yeah. Uh-huh, and he, that's all he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, or sometimes he'll play Sexy's stuff, mm-hmm. the other week he's playing Massachusetts and mm-hmm. BG and stuff like that. But he's, he's mm-hmm. perfect. He's been playing them for years and mm-hmm. he's absolutely perfect mm-hmm. and you see people storm and mm-hmm. start to sway and you know their minds are going away back to whenever it's, well, it's wonderful mm-hmm. to see I think you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah mostly it's about, mm-hmm. about people or, or mm-hmm. people in my family mm-hmm. you know my, I had a, a bit, quite a checkered past where my, my mother was German and that caused me a lot of Mm, I wonder what, I wonder, sometimes I don't know where I come from, mm-hmm. my mother was German, I've got photographs of me in Germany when I was three, with a leather horse and, and, and other gear on. Mm-hmm. So did she speak German in the house? My mum passed a good number of years ago, she spoke German sometimes, mm-hmm. usually she had friends that came up and they would speak in German, mm-hmm. but she never done it as a a matter of course, I should get frustrated or angry with something, laps on in the gym, mm-hmm. you know. But I've got photographs of my grandfather who apparently was a Luftwaffe a pilot in World War One, mm-hmm. and uh, he's standing beside gravestones and I've got his surname, my mum's surname, I don't know what to do, who they are, what they are, what, what the story is. And, um, so that's, this is all quite bubbling away mm-hmm. in the background with mm-hmm. me, you know, so, so. so do you go over to Germany? I've been to Germany a few times, but I've never, when I was young I hitchhiked over to Germany to see my grandfather. Whereabouts was he playing? It was a place called Ham, which is near Dusseldorf, mm-hmm. H-A-M-M. But when I went over he was in a hospital, and he was an old man at this point. And, uh, he couldn't speak English, I couldn't speak German, so I just hugged and I gave him a letter that my mother had given me to give to him. So it's things like that, that I write about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's very sort of emotional, isn't it? It, it is, because uh, you're awakening certain questions you've got in your mind and certain... I, I get quite a lot of abuse when I was young, because my mother was German. You know, no big deal in these no, days. It was no. like this is what happens. You know, just go in there. Just now it would be called all sorts of things. And mm-hmm. uh, but so my, my mother tried to speak me, teach me German. Mm-hmm. But I came home one day and said, 
Nobu like get cold and as you buy so that's still so I don't want to know about it That's you know. terrible. So so that was a I I can't imagine what like it must have been for her. Nineteen fifty mm. I was born. Mm-hmm. Four years just after five years after the war was finished. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine what like it must have been for her. And a lot of photographs she's got her German dress on. Mm-hmm. A German frock, a typical mm-hmm. frock like for lines of the war and stuff for her. So yeah, so that's the kind of I've also got a couple of photographs that I've written about. I've tried to bring the photo. I, I use this in workshops where you look at a family photograph and you try and bring it to life. Mm-hmm. As, as if and you're asking the people in the photograph. And do they bring in photographs? Yeah, that's what I do. I'd yeah, say you that's bring, a bring, a good family, idea. bring in mm-hmm. a family photograph you've got when, when you're young. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll say to people, right, ask their parents what they think of you now. Mm-hmm. When they think, because uh, I wonder how would they feel about how we've turned out. I know, and also um, I know I I do this. I kind of think, why didn't I ask about this? You know, like you know, we had a huge extended family and lots of sort of interesting things in yeah, yeah, the yeah. the past. Like my my grandfather worked in singers. He was a football scout, right. and he actually um, went out on a ship to America to set up a football team in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Right. So he was away for a long time and brought yeah. players over from Scotland and England. And I, you know, I just, I know about the ship he went out on was called the Athenia, which later on got bombed during the war. I think this must have been like in 1920s. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it was, he, my, my mother was the youngest of seven and her mum died when she was two. Yeah. So he went and left those kids with the eldest girl, Lizzie, kind of in charge of the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, I think the grand was about, but I'm all the thing, I wish I had asked my mother all about this. Well, this is it, you, you know, maybe if you'd been a writer at the time. Yeah. You know, maybe if, you'd, maybe if I'd been a writer at the Although time. Although I don't really call myself a writer. <laughs> I was always a solitary child. I'm not sure if that was because of circumstances. Were you an only child? Just, just, well, no, I eventually had a younger brother, mm-hmm. but he died when he was 30, oh. um, cancer. So that, that was it. There was, no, there was nobody else in there. Uh, but that was one of the the most difficult things I've had because I had to clear my, my when my dad passed, he passed when he was 84. Um, the house that he was in in Drum Chapel mm-hmm. uh, had his stuff, my brother's stuff and my mother's stuff, mm-hmm. but he'd never cleared anywhere out. Mm-hmm. So I had to clear the, the whole house out and stuff, so that was quite, quite a thing. But yeah, but I mean, everybody through their version of loss and stuff like That's that, right. they, you know, You've so. got you've got me grandchildren, have you? I, I, I've you? sort of got grandchildren. Right. I, 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 I'm what you might call a surrogate grandfather. Right. I'm, I'm not. I'm divorced, right. but I'm not married again. But I've got what you might say is a, a woman who I always say she's a baby in sometimes. <laughs> um, and her daughter's got two, two lovely cousins. Because I've seen so. your photo. You so. put, you're, you're a very good photographer, so. uh, uh, um, apart from seeing you 
you know, in photographs on Facebook with the, the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're, you're I love lovely, but you're, you're, you're keen photographer love, as well. I love you? photography and paintings mm-hmm. and painting and stuff like that, mm-hmm. anything with images. Yeah. Glasgow's a great place for um, photography. No shortage of subjects, that's yeah. for sure. No, because Jim takes lots of photographs yeah, and um, I just think that, you know, he, he'll take photographs to where, where is this? I never know. Mm. I'm not the slightest bit observant. I, I don't know where I, I kind of think, oh, that looks familiar, but mm. no idea yeah. where it is. But I think if you're a photographer, um, you've got an, an eye for things. I think see, that's, that's why I see if you're a poet. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of poetry books I've got that I, I, I really would uh, advise students to get. That's the main thing they'll say right at the start of the book. Notice things. Mm-hmm. Notice the world. Notice mm-hmm. people. Notice places. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I think, uh, that's what you notice, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. I mean, I'll go into somebody's house and somebody might say, well, what are you parts of house? And, I'll use generalities, I'll say it would be really nice and comfortable and uh, lots of pictures on the walls, but if somebody then says, no, what colour were the walls? Are, I, I know, don't know that either. If somebody says to me do, do something like, and what did you think, um, the colour of my suite or something? Mm. Well, I don't know what they're talking about because I will not remember. So it's what it's, you notice mm. what you want to notice, I think, you know, mm-hmm. or, or what, you're, mm-hmm. what you're tuned on to. Yeah. I, I sometimes, I mean, I am not good at even recognising people. You know, if I've not seen somebody for a long time, um, and somebody comes and speak to me, speaks to me, I think, my God, who is this? But when they speak, I recognise their voice. The yeah, voice yeah. is is the trigger. Yeah. So I think my um, I'm probably more attuned to things listening mm-hmm. than than what actually I'm looking. Yeah, yeah. Because Jim, I mean, we, we were in um, Toronto one year when the film festival was on, mm-hmm. and he kept seeing people and saying, "Oh, there's so and so," and "Oh, look, there's so." Well, I wouldn't have recognised anybody. Right, right, right. And then he'll say to me, "Oh, sees people." For a gig the other night, and um, it was smashing us. It was at Glasgow Americana, um, Warren McIntyre, oh. the, the album launching. It was a it was a smashing gig. He had lots of different musicians up on stage. Right, right. Well, Jim recognised every one of them. I said, "But how do you know these people?" He says, "See them about the West End." Mm-hmm. Well, I'm about. I think we're all slightly tuned into the world slightly differently, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Very I much. Think. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 to me, weirdly like receptors, and uh, we receive the world in slightly different ways, each mm-hmm. one of us. Mm-hmm. And this was my thing about walking between worlds. It was, I'd, I'd went to a, a talk, Pagans and Witches, in London, uh, and it was a, a witch gave the talk, and the talk's title was Which Witch is Witch? <laughs> and and um, she was talking about reincarnation and various other things. Um, and she was walking up and down the aisles and looking and she was looking to see if she'd saw you in a previous life. And that's kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's all quite fascinated me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it struck me that the painting that I've chosen for the cover to me is like people walking between models because I use that painting in workshops mm-hmm. and I'll say, where are these people going? Mm-hmm. Imagine the M8 and all you've got is people walking along the mm-hmm. traffic. Where are they going? Why? Who are they? All this kind of stuff, you know. So the, the, the walking between worlds is like 
the world of the Bosco, the world of the bus driver, and the world of the people in the photograph, which I can no longer access by imagine and you know all these different. It sounds great. I'm going to get it. Will it be in the project cafe? I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This is. My previous books have been with Louis Press, this is with Red Squirrel Press. Yeah, I see that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know... But they'll sell it online. Yeah, I don't know how how they'll be balanced mm -hmm. with what they do. I, I do smaller publishers, different, different way of working. You know, so so was, the, was the event to be in the CCA and then yes. moved? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a shame it's closed, it's been awful for them, but it's fantastic that the Project Cafe have been able to... Um, you know, have some of the events reshaped. Well, there. somebody clouds got silver lining, I guess, mm -hmm. for the Project Cafe, you know, they're getting, um, I don't know how much it suits them, I don't know if they're too small or... Mm -hmm. But it's quite a nice place, I've been to events there, it is quite a nice atmosphere. Yeah, it was good, it's a kind of yeah. bookshoppy mm -hmm. vibe about it as well. Yeah, definitely, I know, I, I like it, remember when it opened, it was Ellen McAteer. Yes, I remember who, that, who, yeah. Um, yeah, opened yeah. it with her husband and um, Matt. And um, it, it felt like such a good idea that, as you said, this is maybe a wee silver lining for them. Well, it, 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 this is what happens, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, if the publisher, my concern with the smaller publishers is sometimes the book, it's just getting the print nights just arriving five minutes before the book's meant to be launched, you know. <laughs> but, um, so, um, and it's going to be, there's going to be another event in Edinburgh? That's right, the 3rd of November. It's going November. to be a, a, and Scottish Poetry Library, which is a Saturday, so it's one o'clock in the afternoon. Sometimes the, the afternoon event suits people more than. Especially Saturdays, um, you know, people, I think, you know, more inclined maybe to go out on a Saturday during, during the day to something like, like that. Well, it also means if you've got plans on Saturday night, they don't get to still rush, right? Stuff like that, that, yeah, that's right. So or if you've got babysitting duties so or anything. I won't fault to that, that's. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's great. I, I, I'm sure it'll be. Um, I'm sure it'll be a very popular book. You know, I, I love the sound of it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, the proofs on the pudding, as I say. <laughs> so, Brian, what about um, when you retire? Have you got what sort, sort of plans? Have you got? I've got a couple of items in the fire that I'm not allowed to expand upon. Well, moment. that sounds exciting. Um, <laughs> You can get back to me. <laughs> I will do. I certainly will do. Mm -hmm. my, my initial plan was to don't work, to book myself into a, an art course one day a week, to get my bus pass and my camera and start to go to places the, the occasional day a week um, and to get my next writing project. That was my initial plan. Mm -hmm. But something has come up to throw us a nice spanner in the work, so... Well, that sounds good. So, uh, as a fallback, the other things will be good as well, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah, you never know what's around the corner. I had a couple of years ago, I had quite bad health problems, so I'm recovering for them now, so... So, that, that's, a, mm -hmm. that's made me look at things slightly differently, you know. Well, that's great. And you're, you're very supportive of other people. You know, I see you out in a lot about, you know... I don't go to events. some events because my hearing's pretty dicky. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I go to places and I can't hear it properly. Back. And not mm -hmm. just that, some of the rooms are, for example, the CCA, mm -hmm. not very good for acoustics at all. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's... 
if the sound's not good, I, I get kind of thrown as well. Um, I, I mean, that shouldn't be the case anywhere. Every place should have, you know, a decent sound. We actually, you know, with the, the book, The Ten Writers yes. and the CD, and we were in um, Butch Festival, which is Western Bartonshire Libraries, right. and it was fantastic because they were so organised and they had the sound man there, which was it was, it was even better because we knew him, it was Some, Crawford Smith. Something that Jim's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, come across a lot of gigs and all that, and, but, you know, he's a musician himself. Oh, we couldn't believe this. You know, you had this sound man, everything was set up. I mean, it was just, I thought everything well, should I'll, be I'll like I'll that. Well, I'll say that, as you go and you get the, the droopy microphone syndrome. You get the seven o'clock that actually starts at quarter to eight syndrome. Mm -hmm. You get the uh, too, too echoey. Mm -hmm. Somebody opens the windows because it's too warm and you get the sound effect. There's so many. I don't know what yeah, all absolutely. Into it. You know, the, the, the logistics but, uh, of things. You know, you use the word should, you know, a lot of things should <laughs> in life, but they aren't, so. <laughs> well, it is what it is, you know, you just quite go in there. Well, anyway, it, I'm, I'm so happy you've got this new um, collection coming out. It sounds, it sounds great, it sounds dead, dead interesting, and in that you've got the other irons in the fire. Yeah, so, well, we'll see whether that uh -huh. materialises. Well, good luck, good luck with, with that. Well, thanks very um, much, and thanks thank for inviting up for a, thanks. thanks for a cup of tea. <laughs> no, it is good of you to come, and I'll see you again very soon, no doubt. Okay, thank Bye. you. Thanks Pat, thanks Brian. This ends another episode of Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. That was fascinating. <coughs> Excuse me. I've got the guitar, but I've also got the guitar. Anyway, that's us for another another episode. Hope, uh, hope to catch you the next time. Bye for now.